It's Tuesday, February 4th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The news surrounding the coronavirus outbreak continues to change rapidly. There are now 11 confirmed cases in the United States, as well as the second person-to-person transmission. While officials in many countries try to get a handle on the spread of the virus, it could have the potential to be a pandemic. Marisa Fernandez, reporter at Axios, joins us for the latest developments. Next, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning their first Super Bowl in 50 years. Leading the team to a comeback victory, Patrick Mahomes is also leading a new generation of quarterbacks and a new age of offenses where the new norm is scoring a lot and fast. Andrew Beaton, sports reporter for the Wall Street Journal, joins us for how Mahomes is changing the NFL. Finally, conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh has announced that he has advanced lung cancer. He will be taking some time off for more medical tests and treatment, but hopes to return to the airwaves soon. One of the most influential voices among conservatives, Limbaugh reaches millions of people with his show weekly. My producer, Victor Wright, joins us for more on Limbaugh's announcement. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Almost about 200 individuals that are under quarantine in the U.S. right now, and that's housing in terms of like some people are on military bases, some states, health departments are trying to figure out how to coordinate with hotels or even maybe just like different area hospitals. Joining us now is Marisa Fernandez, reporter at Axios. Thanks for joining us, Marisa. Thanks so much. We're going to be talking more about the Wuhan coronavirus. This is just spreading all over the place. I know a lot of people are worried about it, although, you know, a lot of officials are still saying, especially here in the United States, you don't have to worry about it too much. There are some experts that are saying that it could look like a pandemic, which is an ongoing epidemic in two or more continents. As we said, it's been spreading a lot all over the place. And the last 48 hours really were kind of crucial. There was a lot of stuff that developed over the weekend. Marisa, tell us what's going on. The numbers are changing every day, but I do want to say that most of the numbers that are drastically changing in terms of cases and deaths are still remaining in China. But for the U.S. specifically, there is cause for concern in terms of how the government is approaching this. The CDC on the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and Health and Human Services are very aware that they are taking a what they say is an aggressive approach to this because they want to make sure they attack the issue head on, that it will not get worse in the United States. And they've been stressing that a lot um, to media and just to everybody they can spread that message to. There's 11 people in the U.S. that now have been diagnosed with coronavirus. A lot of these were people that came back from that area, from Wuhan, and they came back. And I think in a couple cases, they might have infected their spouses, things like that. Defense Secretary Mark Esper has approved a request to set up a lot of housing for up to a thousand people so they can give them a 14 day quarantine, which a lot of scientists say is that's the incubation period for the coronavirus right now. So that's one of the other things that they were working on quarantine locations for people that might be infected, possibly infected, or we're just unsure of. Official numbers are a little shaky right now, but it's almost about 200 individuals that are under quarantine in the U.S. right now. And that's housing in terms of like some people are on military bases, some states, health departments are trying to figure out how to coordinate with hotels or even maybe just like different area hospitals. So it's really state to state right now. But we are looking at more flights landing from China to the U.S. to get some of those people out of there 
in quarantine. And we won't know for sure how many people, but they're looking at more flights and how to figure that out. And then we should know later this week. I mean, it's interesting. We're talking about setting up extra space for people that might be coming in. You're mentioning these other planes that are coming in. In China, they just completed this big hospital, a 1,000-bed center for the treatment of patients there. And then they built that thing in 10 days. But it does show how seriously now they're taking it, even though there was reports that they were trying to not necessarily cover things up at the beginning, but maybe not release as much details early on. It's tricky what kind of information is coming in and out of China right now. But we can see from previous reporting and other outlets like the New York Times is doing a really good job in having boots on the ground there of reporters that are talking to people who are infected and talking to citizens and just like how difficult it is to get care. Things are being built in China right now, but in terms of like emergency departments, getting ambulances, people who are calling for help. The wait list is apparently ridiculous. It's still always important to keep in mind with regards to either like SARS or MERS. They have said that this strain of the coronavirus is not as bad as those, let's say. Even still, this is just an amazing number. This new strain of coronavirus has killed about 132 people so far. The flu season, though, kills over 8,000 people in the U.S. alone. So the flu virus is still much more worrisome than coronavirus at this point. The numbers we have on the desk there are like a little over 360. Most of those, except for all of them, except for one people in China who have died. But in terms of like this comparison to influenza and coronavirus, the flu definitely has killed more people this year. There have been 30-something more children who have died in the U.S. this year from the flu. But at the same time, like, the National Institutes of Health have made this very clear in terms of, you know, we know what the flu does. We know the symptoms of the flu, and flu is pretty much preventable. There's a vaccine for it. There's predictability in the flu, even from season to season. But what is concerning about this is that we don't know how this virus is working yet. Scientists around the world are working very hard to figure out how people are spreading this. Do you need to show symptoms? They call that asymptomatic. Do you need to be incubated for a certain amount of time? Right now, it's up to 14 days because we're not really sure. And so there's still a lot of uncertainty here. And that's why there's cause for concern. And that's why there's such an aggressive approach with the U.S. and other countries around the world as well. And the last question I have, you know, we still don't know, obviously, everything about this. Just the effect on the global economy. Stocks have been sliding in China. There could be far-reaching effects that we just haven't seen yet because people are stopping air travel to the area. People aren't getting in and out. I mean, there's a lot of stuff really yet to be seen as far as how it can affect the global economy. American companies, different companies that, you know, rely on China's economy are putting out statements, are, you know, making sure that their employees are safe, making sure that the products that they rely on from that country are safe. It's going to be a case-by-case basis on terms of, like I said, it's going to be day-by-day in terms of, like, how this is really going to affect people's livelihoods. And you know, as soon as we can understand how this virus is mutating and how this virus works, the better we can get that under control. Marisa Fernandez, reporter at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Oh.
I had two goals when I became the starting quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, and the first goal was to win the Lamar Hunt Trophy. I wanted to bring it home, the one that has our founder's name name on it. I wanted to bring it to this family and this organization. And the second most important thing was to get Coach Reed uh, uh, a Super Bowl trophy. Joining us now is Andrew Beaton, sports reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Thanks for having me after a pretty fun game last night. It was a very fun Super Bowl. Yeah, we had had a few years of Super Bowls that were not very fun, so this was a welcome surprise. Although, I mean, people were expecting it. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers 31-20. to This is their first championship in 50 years, and a lot of it has to do to Patrick Mahomes, their quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes, he is a spectacular player. In his first year, he did a bunch of great stuff. Now he's Super Bowl MVP and everything. And he's really at the forefront of this kind of new generation of quarterbacks. Andrew, tell us a little bit about that. There was a long period of time where the NFL was having an existential crisis of sorts, where they were looking at the guys in college and saying, these guys are playing a different style of game. They're running different offenses, and those offenses won't work in the NFL, which is why we saw a long time that there weren't that many great quarterbacks coming out of college, and it might not have been necessarily the talent pool, but the way NFL teams looked at them. And instead of looking at a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who played in an offense called the Air Raid at Texas Tech, which threw the ball a ton, he put up numbers that look absolutely silly. He threw for more than 700 yards in a game, yeah. if you believe that's possible. And instead of looking at this guy and saying, oh, the way he played won't work in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs said, this guy is clearly capable of extraordinary things. How can we put him in a position to succeed and do some of those same things in the NFL? So then you have this player who's absolutely transcendent. He can run, he can throw, he can make passes without looking. He even made one last year with his left hand. And to be clear, he's a righty. This is a guy who's capable of things we've really never seen on a football field before. And the Chiefs put him in an offense that allowed him to exploit those skill sets. And what's so exciting about the game going forward is thinking about all the other players who have these same types of abilities. And granted, there may not be anyone or many people at all who have the same exact skill set as Patrick Mahomes, but other quarterbacks who play this type of way and might be allowed to play in the same types of systems to allow themselves to flourish. And you look across the league and take a player like Lamar Jackson, and he and Patrick Mahomes are very different players, but there is a distinct similarity in that the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes was the MVP last year, Jackson was the MVP this year. They're both in their second years, and they both played in a way that was somewhat foreign to the NFL not long ago. Jackson, he ran the ball more than Mahomes. They played a different style of offense, but it was a distinctly college offense in a lot of respects. It was a type of offense that you wouldn't have seen being run in the NFL even just a few years ago. So when you look towards the future, that's what's exciting, that more people are being allowed to show their skills in these creative ways. Why is it that these types of offenses weren't working in the NFL? I mean, granted, obviously, players, they have a, a lot of you know star running backs and they build teams around certain players and all. But why weren't some of these offenses working in the NFL? It wasn't that they weren't working so much, is that there weren't many coaches willing to accept that maybe the college game had been schematically and strategically ahead of the NFL game, which is kind of funny to think about. You have these NFL franchises, which are worth billions of dollars. And these coaches are paid millions of dollars for to be the absolute best of their crafts. But a lot of people really began looking at the college game and saying this strategically was becoming leaps and bounds ahead of the pro game. And so what you had was 
it didn't just happen all at once, but over the years, you finally started to have some coaches start slowly and slowly incorporating these things. You can look back at even a Super Bowl, say, between the Patriots and Falcons. It had some of these characteristics and some of these real pass-heavy offenses, or even between Eagles and Patriots a year later. And so really what Kansas City did, and their coach Andy Reid is one of the smartest, most creative offensive minds in the National Football League, if not the smartest and most creative mind, is he really went all in and said, Ed, how can I make these guys flourish? And you look at what he did with Alex Smith, even before Patrick Mahomes, he had some really great years with Alex Smith, a guy who was okay, but maybe not great in San Francisco. And then he put Smith in those same schemes that he thrived in in college, which is what made the number one overall pick once upon a time. And then when you paired Andy Reid's willingness to do that with an absolutely generational player in Patrick Mahomes, this is how you get the brilliance of what the Kansas City Chiefs were able to do all throughout the playoffs and ending in the Super Bowl win. So let's talk about the playoffs. The fourth quarter starts and they're down by 10 points. I mean, a lot of people, they're like, oh, it's over. But you always get that whole thing. Well, there's still plenty of time. And you know what? There was tons of time for the Chiefs to come back. You were writing in your article, but in at least four occasions, Patrick Mahomes produced three touchdowns in under six minutes. That's kind of that little bit of flair is what happened in the Super Bowl. You know, They were able to make some drives that scored a couple touchdowns in just like about two and a half minutes or so. And what's really wild is this is not a fluke for Patrick Mahomes. In the divisional round, down 24 to nothing, it's not that he just came back. They were getting blown out, and they turned it into a blowout. They beat the Texans 51-31. The next week, they're losing by double digits again to the Tennessee Titans. They come back again. They win handily again. So are we exactly surprised when they do it in the Super Bowl? The reason why the answer is no to that is if you look at Patrick Mahomes' career, and you're just talking about his college, he has always played the game in this free-flowing, aggressive style in which it's not unusual to score a lot of points. These things have always happened when he's played because he isn't just an incredible player, but he's been in these systems that say, why should we be conservative? If running the ball is less effective, why should we insist on running it on first down every time? Maybe we should throw it if that's what's more effective. And so when you add all these things together, you get an offense that starts to look a heck of a lot different than offenses looked 10, 20 years ago. So is this now the future of the NFL? We're going to start seeing more schemes like this. And obviously, who knows when the next Patrick Mahomes will come around, but is the NFL going to start kind of taking note to this? I think it's impossible not to think so. People want to hire guys from Andy Reid's staff. Or you look at Patrick Mahomes' college coach, Cliff Kingsbury. He was hired by the Arizona Cardinals before last season because teams around the league are seeing this as the future. And it's not just the schemes, it's the players who are playing quarterback. And I think the important thing to remember is that even though not everyone will be as brilliantly gifted as Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, you can definitely see a shift in the prototype in that for a while, the job of the quarterback was to stand as stationary as possible in the pocket, take a few steps backwards, step up and throw the football. And you look at the players in the college game now who are the top prospects. You look at LSU's Joe Burrow. You look at Alabama's Tua Tagovailoa, And these guys, maybe they're not as brilliantly fast as Lamar Jackson. Maybe they can't make the same exact moves as Patrick Mahomes, but they definitely get outside the pocket. They make creative plays happen. 
So what's interesting to think about is we've spent a lot of time over the last few years thinking about the generation of Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers. And what's interesting about this newer generation of quarterbacks is those players don't look a lot like them and they don't play a lot like them. It's much more freewheeling. And frankly, it's a lot more fun to watch it sometimes because you can see these displays. Andrew Beaton, sports reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. What led to shortness of breath that I thought might have been asthma or, you know, I'm 69, could have been my heart. My heart's in great shape, ticking away fine, squeezing and pumping great. It was not that. It was a pulmonary problem involving malignancy. Joining me now is my producer, Victor Wright. Thanks for being here, Victor. Thank you. We had some interesting news on Monday. Conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh made the announcement on his nationally syndicated radio show that he has been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Let's take a quick moment to hear how that sounded on the air when he announced it. So I have to tell you something today that I wish I didn't have to tell you. And it's it's a struggle for me because I I had to inform my staff earlier today. I can't escape, even though telling people are telling me it's it's not the way to look at it. I, I can't help but feel that I'm letting everybody down with this. But the upshot is that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Victor, what else do we know so far about the announcement? Well, when he made the announcement, he said he was experiencing no symptoms. Back in January 12th on a birthday weekend, he had some shortness of breath. Wasn't feeling that great. So he went to the doctor and on January 20th, he had confirmation from two different medical institutions saying that he had advanced lung cancer the way he had just announced. He's going to be going into treatment and he will be on and off from what it sounds like. He's trying to come back on Thursday. Like That's a quick turnaround. In a couple days after the announcement was made. So... People will be filling in, and it sounds like he's going to keep trying to do the show as much as he can while he's doing the treatment. Yeah, I think in the immediate, he's going to get some more tests done. They're going to identify what that course of treatment is, and then they'll go with that. It's interesting. I mean, Rush Limbaugh recently signed a long-term contract. I think four more years he was going to be doing his show for. And yeah, I mean, this definitely, he's going to be in and out and stuff. But man, obviously... We hope the best for his health and all that, but a four-year contract is a, is a long time in radio, and we'll see how that happens. Politics aside, whatever you think of Rush Limbaugh, he has been a big central figure in news talk radio for a long time, and uh, you know a lot of people in the radio industry not necessarily owe their careers to that, but he kind of set a precedent. You know, people looked up to how long he's been doing. He's 69 years old. He's been doing his radio show for 31 years. I mean, that's a career that a lot of people don't have. He is one of the most listened to radio shows in the country. 15.5 million listeners weekly. I think this is as of December, 2019. As I said, politics aside, the guy is just kind of a king in talk radio. And even podcasts, what we do here and what all people do on podcasts is kind of an offshoot of radio and talk radio in general. So it's sad to hear that someone has to go through this, but just a huge figure in media and conservative circles, just an important figure there. So we'll have to keep monitoring and seeing what happens with Rush Limbaugh, advanced lung cancer. Thank you, Victor. Thank you.
that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.